Hello, and welcome to episode five of Tick Tech Talk. I'm Rob. I'm Candice. And this week, we're going to be breaking down our productivity. Um, how do we get through the week? How do we meet all the deadlines for our assignments? And how do we function as human beings? So Candace, um, how do you function as a human being? How do I function? Yeah, I think we wanted to do this conversation because we're both very busy college students. Um, you manage a lot, you have a lot on your plate, and I create the illusion that I have a lot on my plate. <laughs> but I think a lot of it derives from our usage of our tools and stuff. Just because you can use, or you have this stuff, doesn't mean you can actually use it effectively. I think mm. we see a lot of kids running around campus like a chicken without their heads on, right? And I feel like we are pretty well-grounded. Yeah, not to toot my own horn, but I do feel I'm, I'm fairly organized. And I wasn't always, but I have gotten a lot better. Um, I think that's fair to say, you know, there's a lot of students who, um, they always say the hardest part about college is time management. Yeah. Um, and that extends, you know, beyond college too. But using technology, I feel like I have gotten a better grasp of my productivity. Um, and I would say the same for you. You seem very well organized. Let me ask you a question then. What were you like in high school? Like, how did you manage stuff? And how did you feel like <laughs> you're on top of your stuff? Well, my high school, we didn't have laptops. And this was like, you know... I was almost too young to get a cell phone until like later on in high school with the way they were being released. Um, they weren't as popular. So not that I'm that old, but um, so most of my productivity was managed through, I had a little spiral ring planner yeah, and I, I had, had binders and I yeah. hated it. Honestly, I hated it because my handwriting's atrocious. I always forget to write things down and like, um, I remember spilling stuff on my planner once and the whole week was gone. Like I wrote down <laughs> all these to do's and stuff and I was like, never again, like we're living in the future. So I think that was the big transition for me when I came as a freshman to RPI. It was the first time we were actually allowed to use our laptops and our cell phones and yeah. at that point tablets and stuff. So I think that's what caused me to kind of develop my own system. Well, absolutely. I know um, being such a fan of tech, as soon as I could get into Google Calendar and all that stuff, I jumped at the opportunity and being able to bring that to class just elevated my usage to a whole new level. Yeah, exactly. I feel a little definitely more controlled than I, de in, I did in high school and I think it was definitely the availability of technology and all these tools that we're going to speak about. Mm. So I'll get started, but let me ask you, Rob, so what do you do for calendaring? What do you do for events? So um, before I get into it, I have used Outlook Calendar. Um, I, I think that's pretty much it. I guess use the Hotmail Calendar briefly, but I've ultimately gone with Google Calendar for most of my calendar needs. Mm -hmm. um, pretty ubiquitous at this point, but uh, the cloud interaction is phenomenal. So I use Google Calendar as like my primary place for events. Um, you as well? Yeah, I use the same thing. I've always been a Google Calendar user. I know for a little bit I was using iCloud, and before that I was using Mobile Me Calendar right when I got started with my iPad, I think, at first. But I don't know. I, there's a certain trust with Google Calendar. I think there's also there's an openness where it's almost a platform. Mm -hmm. So a lot of our favorite tools, like I use Sunrise Calendar for a while, um, and so a lot of Mac apps use Google Calendar. It's hard to say much because it's been such a big, it's such a ubiquitous utility in our lives. But let me ask you the big question then, the one thing that I grapple with. How do you decide what goes on your calendar versus what goes as a, as a, a task on your productivity? Sure, so let me talk about my calendar workflow. Um, to be clear, I do still have an iCloud calendar. I have a Yahoo calendar. I think I have an Outlook calendar too. Um, but the only one I actively use is my Google calendar. Google calendar. Um, I do use Facebook events too, but. Oh, do you actually, so when you RSVP to an event, do you actually mean you're going? I love the interested thing now because I'm usually not actually going to go, but I am interested in it. That's like perfect. That was a perfect solution. I was yeah. wondering for the longest time, I was like, how are they going to solve the problem where people just say they're going? Because yeah. I would even, I would RSVP to an event even though I knew, like I was studying abroad for a whole semester. I would just click that I'm going for all these events to yeah. show support. And you want to hear about it too. Like it's perfect. But then you're being a, yeah, you're being a jerk because then they're like, where weren't you there? 
Yeah, and it lost a lot of the fidelity in the RSVP on Facebook. Yeah. So I still I still do Facebook events, and um, I don't really organize myself on those, but I do have them included in my calendar. Um, but my calendar is broken down. Oh, God, I have a lot. I'm just looking at it right here. I think I have eight different calendars. But the, the core ones are personal, school, and activities. So personal is anything. Um, that's my main calendar. Mm-hmm. That's like if I'm going to the dentist, it's going in personal. That's events that are intimate to me, things like that. School, um, which will one day transition to work, is things that are in my, um, I don't want to say like core task, but like I guess my, my job, being a student is a job in a yeah. sense. So that's my like, you know, very stagnant, very um, habitual calendar. And then my activities are the things that you know, are not personal. It is habitual, happens every week, but it's not critical like my school calendar is you know what i mean yeah and the colors i have almost represent those so it's red for school yellow for activities kind of like you know yield and stop um and personal well personal is blue is not really a good reason for that but (laughs) i guess it's the closest thing to green it's the closest for you to keep going um i think the only reason it's not green is because i put my tests in green just because they had like a lot of contrast so that's a whole separate calendar is exams that you may have no exams are on the school calendar i just changed the color um, oh, okay. That's probably not a great organizational method. I just, I felt putting a whole different calendar for them wasn't justified, but I wanted them to pop out. So oh, I did okay. them green. Yeah. But that's my workflow. And I have a couple other calendars in there for various groups in my hall. Uh, we have our own for Tic Tac Talk. It's on my thing. But that's mostly my flow. How many calendars do you have, Candace? What's your workflow? Um, I'm closer to what you have. I have my, so my personal calendar, I just call it Inbox. And that's just the name, like the general naming convention I do for that general collect all. Um, I do the same thing for Evernote, and I do the same thing for my to-do list app, but it's just inboxes all my personal. I have a class calendar, which I start every semester. I put in all of my classes, all the mm-hmm. locations and things like that too. I do an assignments calendar, which is separate, and usually I just do an all-day task if I have a really big deliverable in a class. I usually put it in my to-do list manager as well, uh, but I like seeing on calendar sometimes those big assignments. Uh, and then I have some just other uh, engagements I have. So I was part of clubs. I ran clubs. Those are always separate. And right now I'm part of my big senior year project, which includes uh, includes a calendar. So that's a shared calendar between all my teammates and stuff for big deliverables and meetings and stuff. So I found most interesting is your primary calendar is called Inbox. Um, so does that mean like events come in to Inbox and then you have to move them out of Inbox? Or is it kind of just like a, a parking lot almost kind of thing where it's just like, Anything that's not categorized goes into inbox. I think it's that. I think I think a big problem with productivity apps and us getting really into the technology is you spend so much time focusing on organizing things like that too that it creates your own friction where we're not even productive. So my system is if I don't know where it's gonna go, I'll think about it later when I'm organizing. So when in doubt, put it in inbox. Mm-hmm. And most of the time it does have a set place. So I know like this assignment due next Thursday will be going to assignments. Um, but anything inbox is just anything default that can't fit into those main silos. Um, I like it because I don't have to think about it. I know Fantastic Cal, which is the application I use for my calendar management, allows you to automatically type in which calendar it's going into. But I just want to be as frictionless as possible. So if someone brings it up, it's already on my calendar and I don't have to think about it. Do you feel that you get adequate time to organize it? Because um, I kind of take the opposite approach. You know, like when I put something in, I'm putting it in the right calendar. Like I do take that time. Um, and this goes throughout my workflows. Um, when I'm categorizing articles for Evernote, I tag them before I put them in. I don't have like an inbox. Um, oh, really? When I'm doing emails, they always, I don't, I can never just archive them. If I move it, it's going to an, a folder. Like everything has to go somewhere. And I try to automate that as much as I can. Yeah. But I definitely go about that a little bit differently than you. Yeah, I think I'm a little bit different than the mentality. I want the least amount of friction because then when I do have the time to collect myself, 
I can go and sort through it. And then I know it's going to specific places. Because I think if I do it on the spot, if I'm having a conversation with a friend and they bring up something, um, I don't want to have to like sit there on my phone and think like, oh, which calendar? Is it class or is it assignment? Or should I make another calendar? And should I invite them? It usually goes in the inbox. So at the end of the night, usually when I'm reviewing all my stuff, I can sort it that way. Mm. Mm. Interesting. Like I never look at, I, I never look and like reflect almost, you know, it's almost like I look at the night before. I'm like, oh, I have that tomorrow. I had no idea. Like I'm so reliant on this thing, but yeah. <laughs> you know, I never reflect like you do, which is something, um, it's more of like a daily review kind of it's like the mentality so i've never fully read all of david allen's getting things done but it's like a productivity methodology that a lot of not only techies but a lot of people do and the big thing is about keeping an inbox so physical and um like a digital inbox and having self-review so they recommend like a weekly review where you go through all your tasks and you might like you brain dump to reduce friction uh and what you do i don't do that but i do believe in the idea of reviewing so seeing like prioritizing what's important what can be scrapped what needs to be sorted so i feel more in control do you do that with notes too um i know a lot of people use like the sticky note kind of thing oh um, yeah physical or desktop excuse me and you have them all over the place oh my god that's like my worst nightmare no i think my biggest fear with a lot of solutions with my productivity is ubiquity like, I think the issue with sticky notes is I don't like them because they're not synced up. If I was on my phone or away from my computer, I can't see the sticky note. I know people who use them for, as their main source of task management. Like one girl that we both mutually know, she's very productive and she's very on top of it, but she manages her whole life mainly with sticky notes on her computer. And like if her computer ever were to crash or if she's ever away from her computer, she would have no idea what she's doing. That's fair. I, I almost disagree with you though because... Um, well, I do hate sticky notes, and I agree that they're not everywhere. Um, my favorite part about sticky notes is that I hate sticky notes. And that's a pro, because when I put a sticky note on my desktop, that means I have to do it, because I really want to get rid of that sticky note. So it is co- almost like my um, like my DEF CON 5 or whatever. It's yeah. like, if it has to get done, I'm putting a sticky note. I'm not going to forget. And I can assure you, I will have that off as soon as possible. Um, and like to that point, my desktop never has any folders or anything on it. So like if something's on my desktop, it has to be taken care of right away. Um, right now I have one thing on my desktop. It's just a folder of pictures from a return that I'm currently processing. So it's like reminding me every time I open my computer, hey, you need to call them up and do this. I'm usually like that, but I can definitely admit that during the week, sometimes it gets cluttered up with assignments mm-hmm. I have to upload to our LMS or pictures I want to post. Um, but most of the time, I try to keep a clean desktop. The only folder I have is just, it's an alias to my professional development folder. So it just has a copy of my resume. So if I ever have to upload it or have to submit it, it's always there on my desktop. Mm-hmm. I like the effectiveness of the sticky notes as like a DEF CON 5. I just know that I don't do it because I would abuse it. So everything turns <laughs> into DEF CON 5, I have to do every single thing. And then once again, it gets super ineffective. So yeah. I try not to rely on those like, super extreme methods to make sure. And you used to do it, right, for your tasks? Yeah, so I'm a big, I went through a whole almost like spiritual journey of to-do list managers. <laughs> I've pretty much tried them all. I, I, I've done any.do, I've done Wonderless. I tried using reminders, but this is before iOS 7, so it's super, that whole interface, do you remember that? In iOS 6, it was like cards and it was like in a deck. Yeah, and like it yeah. was super hard to like click on something. I tried it for a day and I got so frustrated. I mean, it's still like that. I was like, I can't do it. That's that's exact opposite of no friction. That's all the friction I would never want. Um, but I've used a lot of them, and I finally landed on Todoist because once again the ubiquity. So when I did go on my Android sabbatical, if I'm on a Chromebook, it's available. And I like how they organize everything so there you can do subtasks, and I think that's a big secret of my own productivity. Mm. I know we talked about this before, so we won't get too, too into it. Um, I use the default reminders app, despite your gripes. Um, I got into it a little bit later, to be fair, but 
I like the integration. Um, and I know we talked about this a little bit before, but um, for me, something I struggle with, and I think a lot of people do, is what goes in a reminder and what goes in an event. Because like, yeah. if you look at my calendar right now, um, check the investing competition. I have an investing competition with some of the people in my hall, and I'm supposed to check on the results of it. Yeah. Um, but that's an event. That's specifically date-driven. Um, that said, I put in reminders. Uh, and I guess my rationale there yeah. is if it's not going to take more than like 5, 10, 15 minutes, it's a reminder. If it's something that's going to take me like a significant amount of time or like if I know where I'm going, it's a calendar thing. So like the more vague or the more... Uh, ambiguous? Yeah, more ambiguous. Not, not ambiguous, but like brevity and amb ambiguity are the two driving things that make something a reminder. Um, and something I hate about reminders too is I think they're ugly. So like, I crave for that thing to be empty. And with the new version of iOS, when you know when you, reminders do, it keeps popping up and it reminds you of like, snooze it, snooze it, snooze, snooze it. it. Yeah. So I'll keep snoozing it for a while, almost like an alarm clock. And I find like, I need to just do this because it's driving me crazy. Yeah, I, that's interesting. I've never thought about it that way. So so what about like, like class assignments? You have stuff doing weekly because you're a very busy college student. You take a lot of different classes and stuff. Where do you keep your assignments? Okay, don't kill me. Um, I've been doing, I've been putting them in reminders for a while, but uh -huh. I actually found that, and this is like almost an about face from what I said before, I feel, but I now put them um, from reminders. I used to do that and I was pretty good about that. I put like dates in there and everything, but I felt that there was a lot of friction with that. So I've tried a couple things. I've used OneNote. I think I used Evernote and I finally just settled on a notes page in the notes app on my iPhone. Like the most basic of the basic. It's basically a glorified sticky note in an app. I was about to say, so you pretty much just use a sticky note for a class assignment, which is more probably your most constant stream of tasks. So class assignments, I feel, are a little different, though. Mm -hmm. I feel these are very high-stress things. Like, if there's one thing I'm not going to forget about, it's class assignments. Yeah. That's for me. So I like to put them in here because um, what I didn't like about reminders was, um, and maybe this is because I don't have to doist, but they're not organized. So I'd have just like a list of things and I'd have to manually sort them by due date and stuff like that, but it didn't really give me a good view of what was going forward. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't want to pay for anything. Yeah. <laughs> so I just started with this and I have four categories just for my classes and then assignments listed in You don't each. even use the checkbox? Isn't there like a checkbox feature that you can use? Or I don't want to do the checkbox because then they're still there. I want to just delete them, you know? You I don't want to literally... I thought about checkboxes. Um, this is crazy, and but you're also an Evernote user, so you could... <laughs> So Evernote's totally different. Evernote, um, did you see the Verge, the Verge at work when they did that segment? They had the Memex thing? Yeah. So my Evernote is strictly Just a second brain. reading and like my personal ideas and thoughts. So like if I come up with a great idea that I think I don't know, would be really cool, I write it down and put in Evernote. Okay. Productivity, I use OneNote and that's mostly historical um, yeah. because I started with that. In high school, I already right. have so much stuff in there. But also it's like kind of just no frills. Um, and the way they have like the bullets work is actually very nice. I remember one time my psychology course, he wrote letters and numbers on the board, you know, like A, one, yeah. B, two. And it like, the way it matched up was like exactly it my one note. It so it was, it was great. Uh, so that's why I've kind of stuck with one note for that. And then I do, I need to fix my homework management method, but this is what I'm working with right now. And it works, I haven't forgotten it anything. It works, yeah. But I agree, it could be optimized. There's no reminders. Um, but it is better than it meets the eye. Um, so is that in chronological order or like do you have an order to when you for each subject or each class? So it's chronological and by subject. So each subject is chronological. And in the new features with iOS 9, you can like um, 
peek at the date and look at what you have going on that day too. If you click on the dates, if you okay. format them correctly. So it's a little bit smarter than just a sticky note. Like I can see what's coming up on that day. No, I understand that. Um, yeah, I, when I was on Android, I don't even think I wrote down homework assignments. Homework assignments have been a point of, uh, I don't wanna say contention, but I have not typically had a lot of organization there. And I think it's just because in my life, I prioritize them so yeah. much. So I don't feel the need almost. It's not like a reminder of something I feel like I'm gonna forget in my mind. Yeah, and I don't no, feel like I'm true. gonna forget these. But tell me what you do with all that stuff. I know I just went on a tangent. That blows my mind. Um, <laughs> don't hate me. I'm just like amazed that, like, cause you're very like, you're one of the people I know that you really have your stuff together. I'm constantly impressed. <laughs> and for me to actually just stay above water, I feel like I have to utilize these tools smartly. And so when I see people who utilize stickies or something a little bit less structured, I'm really interested in that. I think that's why I'm making this face of awe. It's not because I'm horrified. <laughs> it's because I'm amazed. I, th I think a lot of this to do with, I guess, my priority of homework. Like when I get back from class, my thought is I'm going to take a break, then I'm going to do work. Mm -hmm. And we can get more into this later. But like it's always, I guess... It's the biggest thing on my mind. Yeah. Um, so I've always, even when I was in high school, when I did have to use that spiral planner, I didn't use it as often or as strictly as a lot of people did because I feel like I would just go through my class schedule. Exactly. And just go through the assignments and stuff. Um, but once again, like the whole David Allen thing is about like kind of lessening your mental burden, right? So there was, there was always times when, even when I was in elementary school, where I'd wake up in like a cold sweat, like being like, did I forget something? Did I forget an assignment? Right? And so what David Allen argues is that you're, you should always offset all that stuff of storing information and move it somewhere to an Evernote or a task management so your brain can do more high-level thinking and processing and creative work. And so I think that's why I've been really reliant on a to-do list manager. It's just that whenever I hear about something that's due, especially for like a homework assignment or a project, I put it in and I put in the due date, uh, and then I know it's completely out of my mind. So to that point, and um, talking almost back to my calendar with my tests, I, I used to do that, like I said, mm -hmm. but. I'd find I wouldn't get notified early enough. So like, say I had a test on Monday or a homework assignment due um, on a Monday, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, when do you set the reminder for that? You don't want it to be the day before, yeah, right? Because you want to start early. And the same with tests, like if it's on a Monday, you wouldn't know about that until you hit Sunday. And I yeah. want to start early. So I, I always had this conflict, like, well, when do I put the reminder for this? When yeah. do I notify myself? Um, so that's why I've chosen to delegate what I deem the most important tasks to, to not really put in an online management system other than just like a note because I, I'm always constantly going through that list in my head of what I have to do and think Are you ever things. afraid that you're going to forget something though? Like is, has, has that ever been an issue where you like you've dropped the ball? I mean I don't want to jinx myself but it's historically not on homework assignments. Now I have forgotten calendar appointments because I didn't put them in my calendar. Yeah. So I think that almost speaks to my strategy because they're not as big a priority, and I offloaded them to another utility. Yeah. Um, I don't worry about them as much. So now, if it's not on my calendar, I'm totally relying on it. Yeah. And I guess that's my thought. It's like you know, there's kind of like a, a duality. Like I'm reliant in my note, but I also have my mental backup. Yeah. And um, it's not perfect, but I think that's where we diverge. Me. Where you have this two-tiered system, and you focus priority on one thing, so then you can offload the other. I just want a complete offload. So no matter yeah. what, my brain is always like. Don't worry, it's always in the system. Don't worry, like you don't, you won't forget anything. If you forgot, it's because it's your fault because you didn't put it into the system. Mm -hmm. um, I don't want to. Like, I think my worst fear now as a college senior is messing something up because I just remembered it, but I forgot. Right? I have a terrible memory personally. Mm -hmm. I have a hard time retaining information. I'm always second guessing myself too, which is a big thing in my life. So I think relying on this type of system allows me to kind of offload some stress I may have. 
And I actually, I really admire your um, your capstone calendar that I'm looking at it and how you have like that, I see it all over your calendar. Um, and that's almost a solution I would really gravitate towards more. Yeah. Um, because I hated having just one event and then various reminders and you have to like snooze them. But having it spaced out like that is something I would like to do, but I haven't found a good way of, yeah. you know, adequately spacing my time. Um, I'm the kind of person who like, if I have a month to do the assignment, and I have not always been this way, but I've become a person where I will start it when I get it yeah. and try to slowly take it piece by piece, um, kind of at my leisure, but also like, you know, I, I like the feeling of like, you started it yeah. and something has been done. Um, so yeah. that's why I have struggled with calendars and reminders because I don't want the notification when it's due. When it's due. No, yeah, exactly. I totally understand that problem. I think that's one of the core strengths of Todoist. And I was trying to look for something that had a really strong subtasking mm -hmm. system. So it's really easy in the UI to take a task and make it into a subtask, just dragging it and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so it, it, the subtask itself will have a due, uh, a due date as well. So I usually set the main, the top level as the ass assignment when it's due. And then I start breaking down those tasks into my own mini milestones. So I have a big project or a big paper. Um, I make it where maybe if I outline it by Friday, even though it's due two Wednesdays from now, things mm -hmm. like that too. So I do get reminders of the subtask and I have to get it. And I usually have a backlog in it and it makes me feel guilty. But the main event, the main due date is still there on the top task. Super interesting. I um, I definitely need to improve mine. Um, I know like I'm doing some part-time work right now and my project manager, um, she's always like telling me things to do. And I love that. Like I have one small task. I work on it. And she gives me another small task. I digest that, finish it. Yeah. And that's that's very like relaxing, you know, manageable. Um, and I make real progress every week. So um, doing a situation like that for my homework would be really desirable. And um, I think I could learn a lot from the way you're doing it. Maybe find like a hybrid method for mine. Um, <laughs> but that's what I'm doing now. Take it or leave it. And I'll make you feel a bit better. I guess I'm kind of a cheater because I'm not completely reliant all the time on Todoist. The one thing that I diverge from uh, with task management is whenever I have exam. So today's actually a perfect case. I had an internet marketing exam today. And what I do is I always set a task when I hear about an exam five days before the exam day to make a study plan. And so in the study plan, I do it in Evernote. I break down every single day before the exam and then I use the check boxes to go to specifically list out what I'm gonna do. So most of the time it's just reviewing chapters or lectures. So if I know I have 11 lectures, I'll divide three for each day and I checkbox those. So the only task in my to-do list is go through study day, study hmm. plan. So how do you physically study for an exam, Candace? That's something I've always really struggled with. When a teacher says study, it's like, what does that mean? Yeah, it's, so this is a weird time to ask me the question because this is my <laughs> first exam I've taken in about a year. Wow. Because I was on study abroad where I took a lot more arts and comm classes and then I was on co-op. So th that's why I think I was even more on top of it. I was so nervous about not doing well. I was a really inefficient studier in high school. I would literally just rewrite the book over mm -hmm. and over again. I would stay up super late. I would procrastinate. I didn't retain any of the information. I think I'm still a really bad test taker. But I remember being how like I was hor I'm horrified now about how inefficient. At this point, I I do it old fashioned. I go through each of the lectures. I try to ask big broad questions about the topic, and I try rewriting it and stuff. And so in the end, I have this like handwritten packet of my notes and. It, was, it comes in handy because it's a good study guide, but the act of making it, I think, is really effective. I think I'm very similar to you in that regard. Um, as I said in another podcast, uh, when I go to the lectures and courses, I don't really take notes. I just sit there and kind of absorb it. Um, and then through doing the homeworks, you know, I'll go back and review the lectures. And when I'm studying for a test, I break out my trusty OneNote, which I've mentioned a number of times, and I'll make my own study guide. So um, I, I remember I showed some of my, um, my friends my notes, and they're like, wow, this is huge. You must study so much. It's like, oh, I don't. 
I don't feel like I do. Yeah, I'm looking at yours right now. Kind of similar. Mine's not handwritten, but. I think I'm, I forced myself. I realized my freshman year when I used to type them, I would just recite whatever. I would just type whatever I saw. And I'm a pretty fast typist, so super ineffective. So I forced myself because I'm a slow handwriter. It's also very painful. Like after a while, my hand gets super tired. So I have to be super choosy of what I rewrite. So I think it forces me to be a little bit more effective. And that's why I'm mainly excited about this Apple announcement because we today <laughs> uh, we heard that they're going to have an Apple announcement and there's rumors of a smaller iPad Pro or some another, a new iPad with pencil support. So I'm looking forward to the day where I can just do it on an iPad. So here's the thing that really gets me on all that stuff. You know, I love that concept and everything, but my handwriting's atrocious. Like, <laughs> let's just face it. Uh, if I wrote something with my, in, by hand, the odds of me being able to use it are slim to none. Um, and actually, if you look at this, when I had my Lenovo X1 Carbon, I would draw on the screen. I had like some graphs, but you really, it's hard to tell what some of these are. Yeah. Especially as they get more... Uh, in depth, these graphs are on top of one another, and um, it wasn't an iPad Pro. You know, I was drawing with like I think the back of a pen. It had one of those little like touch. Oh, it has the nib. Okay. It, it was awful, but um, I like typing because it's reusable. And a lot of classes now, you know, they'll let you print out a crib sheet and bring it in. Yeah. They limit you on the pages, so if I type it, I can make those as small as I want. You can want. shrink them. I remember those days too, where you could shrink stuff. I still don't understand why teachers do that. It's such a trivial thing when you can print them, but. But whatever. Um, so I type them, and I, my only rule is I don't copy. I like everything I have to do. I put in my own ro- words. That, that's a, that's like if I had to go back to typing, I, that's the one rule yeah. I would enforce. On so I usually read the whole page and then try to summarize and take out the most important parts because I feel like a lot of times something isn't that important. And if it is very important, I won't bother typing it. I'll use like the clipper in OneNote and just dump the whole slide in. Yeah. I'm like that too. Mm-hmm. I, it's always like now I'm, I always force myself like how do I teach this to someone else, right? It's like always yeah. that question and that's how you know that you know something if you're able to teach it and distill that information onto a level of someone who hasn't learned it yet. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And that's why I love tutoring now. Well, I hate tutoring, but <laughs> I do it because I know it's good for me and um, especially with uh, technical interviews, I love t- tutoring for the classes that teach those technical interviews because or the skills for those technical interviews, because that's the only way I feel I can get better. Mm-hmm. Um, those are really stressful in my mind, but if yeah. you teach it to somebody else, I totally agree. That's how you know it best. Yeah, definitely. Um, so let's continue with our agenda. So we kind of talked about our to-do systems and kind of our calendars. Um, I guess really quickly, I also use Google Calendar as the back end, uh, but on my iPhone and on my Mac and on my iPad, I use an app called Fantastic Cal. Mm-hmm. It's a favorite, and the only reason why I like it so much is it does natural language input. So at any point, I can start typing in a task like, um, I'll do a new one right on spot here. Uh, meet with Rob this Friday at 2 a.m. And it auto the UI auto inserts the details and stuff. That's and pretty cool. It's pretty effective. And my favorite thing is if you do a slash, you can change the calendar. <laughs> so all in one swipe, I can type out really quickly instead of having to click on a cursor or drag. Um, I still do the dragging functionality where I make events and I change the time, but I'm making creating a new one. Okay, now I'm using the default Mac app. Yeah, everything's gotten better. I, I think even the Google Calendar web application yeah. has been able to do it. But the slash calendar thing, does it do the slash calendar thing? Uh, let's see. Is it doing it? No. Oh, okay. Slash calendar is the only thing it's missing. And locations. Um, that's something else. I love putting in the exact locations because then it gives me like the time to leave. Oh yeah. I love that. Is it, but like, so we're on campus and I'm usually walking. And so I already have like a mental idea of how long it takes me to get places. Is it accurate for you? Pretty much. It usually ends up being like 15 to 10 minutes 
um, before I have to be there, which is like roughly what it takes walking. I think the thing is like, you know, the thing with the RPI campus is it's like kind of in a city. So <laughs> the time to drive is roughly the time to walk because you have traffic. Yeah, that's true. So I find it, it works out to be about the same. I know I, when I was working last semester as a co-op, I would put in the address of my work and it would give me pretty accurate commuting times and stuff. Because mm-hmm. I had about like a 25 minute commute. Nice. to and from with traffic and stuff on one of the worst roads in new jersey so the traffic was always terrible <laughs> so just trying to avoid that um was a really big tool at this point i don't unless i'm on campus and i'm meeting someone i go very specific because there's we have a lot of big buildings with a lot of different landmarks i make sure to make it a point where i can put in those uh, locations yeah i wish they had a place for room number that would be great in calendars so right now because you do it in the notes section of the event yeah. right and that's really okay. yeah i don't like that but i guess the second line for an address is right so Candace, um, you know, you're doing all this note taking, all this app creation. What are your core like office apps? Are you, uh, I know you use the Google suite a lot and also Evernote. How do you kind of balance that? Have you thought about using any others? Um, there's paper, there's yeah. um, off, Microsoft Office, obviously. I should have mentioned that earlier. And then I saw you were just showing me some of the keynote presentations you made. Yeah. Um, do you kind of bounce between them or? Yeah, I think at this point, every, pretty much every college student uses Google Docs. Um, maybe not as their main productivity tool, but whenever there's collaboration, it's pretty much a standard. And um, I remember like a time back then when I had to convince a lot of my friends in high school to use something called Zoho Docs, which is on like real-time collaboration, and it blew people's minds. <laughs> like I remember showing Dropbox to my history teacher for the first time, and it blew his mind uh, when I was a freshman in high school. So I think that's a big one. I think I use it for most stuff. I don't like the idea of how my documents are stored in their proprietary .gdoc format. So if God forbid, they shut down Google Docs for some reason. Like we all hope that there's a tool to convert it into PDF or something because then four years of work is pretty much down the drain. That's the only thing that gets me super hesitant. And even at this point now, whenever I export from Google Docs, I always export as a PDF because then I know that the copy I have is gonna be good. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I use Word and, uh, and Excel. That's only when I receive um, professor documents and I have to open them. I open them using Word and then off on the occasion where I'm just making a presentation by myself without any other teammates, it's in Keynote because I think it just looks good. It's really easy to manipulate and stuff like that too. Hmm. But what do you use, Rob? So um, I'm pretty new to the Mac world and I've been trying to use Keynote uh, pages and numbers. That's sort of thing, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I've been trying to use to those. Um, I am, as we've discussed and I've gotten some feedback on before, my, um, a diehard Word fan. You know, I've been using it since yeah. forever ago. So. Um, that's definitely where I feel the most comfortable and I feel like I can make the best looking content. Um, that said, I am pretty reliant on Google Docs and I would like to be more so. I think the stuff you can do with a live document, um, especially now where it's you know it's so ubiquitous, you can send somebody like the Google Doc itself and have embedded content yeah. and more, um, it's the chatting. more dynamic. Do you use the commenting, commenting system when you're editing papers? That's been a big yeah, tool of mine. I wish it was almost more like I wish it was more like GitHub or something, or like Git in general, hmm. where there was versioning and like like pull requests and stuff like that to it and branching and stuff. We have a little bit of that, right? Because now they have the all changes saved and you can see the revision history. So we can Yeah, see exactly. Like I think more robust in the chat history. And I do a lot of commenting, so you can resolve, I think of it because you can resolve an issue. Yeah. I really love the idea where we can all branch out for a different part of a paper and then merge back in. But I know that's, that's cool. that gets complicated. Yeah. Uh, but that's like the vision I have one day. Definitely. I think, you know, the pace at which Google Docs is innovating and changing the way you interact with documents is something Word um, really has to be concerned with. But that said, I think there's something just about the interactions with Word. Well, it's really just like grew up with it. That's the only thing that's yeah. really special. Um, but 
uh, I have to say one thing that I've been impressed with with Word is how they've integrated with other services. So now you can do it right from Box with Dropbox, yeah, and then those open right into Word. Um, so I think you know it's interesting to see moving forward how they both position themselves to work with different systems. Um, I wish there was a way to set your, your documents flow in between, not to do with GDoc and DocX, but yeah, that's the biggest issue, and especially with the iPad issue. I love. I want to write more on my iPad because it's more distraction-free. The biggest complaint right now is that Google Docs has not been updated for split view. Mm-hmm. Um, it only yesterday got updated for iPad Pro. And, and no split view. Um, but I've heard great things about Microsoft Office on the iPad. Like they're building amazing software, and it makes me so tempted to try like Office 365 as a student. I think if I wasn't a senior, it'd be worth, more worth it for me to do the investment in the subscription. At this point, I'm just trying to like hold off as much as I can. Well, there is Microsoft Word Online, the Google Docs competitor, and it is pretty good. Do um, you use it? There was a time when my Word subscription ran out and I did use it. Oh, and I lost that document. But the biggest <laughs> issue for this is almost like network effect, right? Like no one you know is on. Yeah, the well, that's 100% it. So like, uh, let's see, I'll open up a document right now. And you know, it works, like it's pretty functional. It looks good. But yeah, it looks just exactly. like the desktop version. Yeah, there's no, uh, you can Skype with people and everything, but exactly, everybody's going to use Google, Google Docs. Docs. So yeah. what's the point? Um, I've, I've wowed a few people. I made a Sway once. I don't know if you're familiar with what that is. No, what is Sway? So Sway was like uh, Microsoft's version of a new take on presentations, kind of. I don't know if I can show you any of them, but it was, it, it's very much like a, um, like a single page website, you know, where you scroll and then there's animations. It's basically presentations, but in that format. Oh, it's kind of like what Evernote used to do with their notes and stuff. You can like kind of scroll through and use a clicker. So I'm trying to find. Yeah, yeah, very much like that though. So you can present your notes and stuff and like, like no, circle it around and like hit the space bar to go down. I didn't utilize that more too. When they first came out, I know a lot of people just thought it was stupid, but I think it's pretty effective of creating a uh, really quick um, presentation. Definitely. I think just the fact that it's different is really key in impressing people. Um, I love that about Sway. It's just like, oh, it's different. And people really gravitate to that. Mm-hmm. But it's a little simpler than Prezi, which I feel like is um, oh, I hate all Prezi. over the place. Yeah, it, it can be some, you know, it can be done well, but it's hard. Yeah, I'm always like a, I'm usually like an outline girl. I like to know where my, like my nodes are, my like data is. And like whenever I do Prezi, like someone messes with an animation or someone does mm-hmm. something and the whole thing turns into a mess. The animations take like six or seven seconds, so the whole presentation is you watching this guy click a clicker <laughs> and then doing this crazy animation. Yeah, and like flip around and then you finally... And the presentation there. content is not that great, right? And you always hear me yell like content is king. I'm so sick of Prezi. Yeah. I mean, Prezi is interesting and it's good for... I feel like it can be used well, but generally speaking... Our uh, producer shaking her head. I think she's seen her lifetime worth of of Prezi's and they can go rogue quickly. That's it's all public, so someone can repost your Prezi and then you can do nothing about it, which happened to me. Oh yeah, and then it messes with your SEO too, so if you search your name and the username and the username, it'll show up in the Prezi. Our producer has that problem where if you search your name, <laughs> um, it's like one of the first results on that Google. That someone else reposted, I don't own it. Yeah, so. Prezi. Oh, look at that, Selena's Prezi on barriers and gateways to communities. <laughs> Yeah, so I don't like Prezi. For presentations, I usually stay with Google Docs. Um, recently, I found out with like Slide Garden or something. There's like a lot of tools with really nice visuals. Mm, and there's like what, like slides.io or something? Yeah, there's a whole bunch now. But once again, I think too many people focus on the visual aspect and don't focus on content and good presentation skills. This will be a whole conversation itself. Definitely. I've been going on a rant about it for weeks <laughs> because we had a lot of presentations this week. Uh, but there's so many other things that you can focus on. And that's a pro to the Google Drive suite. You know, there's a lot of great tools to just keep it simple. Like there are not 
a ton of animations. It's just straightforward slides. Yeah. Um, and the the picture tools are also really great. So I like that, and I like PowerPoint. I feel like it also, it's always making a resurgence. It was a very anti-slides yeah. thing for a while, and now it's kind of coming back to like, oh, wait, that is a valid way to do it. I'm still looking. I know a couple of people have tried making tools, but my dream also is to be able to make a whole presentation slide just using Markdown. Mm-hmm. So you embed images using like a standard image tag and all the content. And like when you double when you double space in the next one, it's a whole new slide. And then when you hit enter, it auto generates a PDF that you can use. I know tools have done it. I've tried a few, and they're they were pretty beta. They're even pretty alpha when I used it. But that's what I have. Like focus on content. Know that your template's going to be good no matter what you do, and be really easy to able to put in an image and manipulate it. So no worries about styling or anything like that. It's just all the same slides. Yeah, generate the content first have it pre-format into the template, into your file, and then you can do adjustments. Because I think too many people focus on... The visual. And pasting and then changing the thing. I want it where I can just put in a URL to an image, it puts it in, in the smartest way possible, and then I can adjust if necessary. Interesting theory. I don't know. I, uh, that'd be interesting. I'd love to try that. I can't even like picture doing that almost. It's like writing the document and then just... It'd probably turn out pretty good. <laughs> yeah, if like if really great designers built default ones and you knew they're gonna look good with any image or any text, and you know the typography is gonna be really beautiful and it's gonna be distinct, right? You can only just focus on making really good slides. I mean, you can kind of do that with Google Slides. Yeah, that's pretty much true. And then you know everyone uses the same templates and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's like now that's, that's the biggest problem, right? Everyone uses the same exact yep. orange and blue slides. <laughs> we had like three groups in my class recently, all use the same template. But I, I recently learned you can get templates from other places. So like you can really look original if you put a little bit of time into it. Yeah, exactly. And the content will all be formatted roughly the same when you do that. So in that sense, you can kind of keep, you know, you have your, your, key temp, uh, your couple of template slides, you update the content in those, and then you're good. Yeah. Um, so I just wanted to break out a couple of short little productivity tips that we discussed kind of before the podcast. Um, the one thing is the Pomodoro method. So Rob, do you know what the Pomodoro method is? We're going over briefly, but you want to go over it for our viewers? Yeah. Listeners. So I think a big problem with me is I'm not sure if anyone else has a problem, but I feel like there are many young people in the world who experience this. You start studying and 10 minutes into the lecture, it gets boring. And so your fingers or your hands automatically go to your smartphone and you look at Facebook. Mm-hmm. That's my biggest problem. If like I don't want to do any critical thinking or if I'm bored on something, I automatically go into Facebook.com and I have no mental block. So Pomodoro kind of aims to fix that where you study in 25 minute chunks. So you set a timer for 25 minutes, you focus on one activity. After the 25 minutes is over, you have a break for five minutes. You do that cycle three times. And then after the third one, you take a 15 minute break and you can Facebook as long as you want. Um, it seems super simple. It seems kind of almost convoluted, but it's been pretty effective to me. And the only way I feel about it is if I see that the time is running and I have 18 minutes left, I'm like, Candace, you can just keep working on this for 18 minutes and then you'll get all the Facebook time that you want without feeling guilty. Hmm. Do you, um, I heard a similar method, but there were a couple of changes. So like when you're making progress, you, um, you graph how much time you spent studying and then you display it publicly. So people will give you praise like, wow, you studied so much. And then, you know, because you studied, you do well, you feel good, you work harder, you increase the time you spend studying, you get more effective at it, and you slowly reduce the breaks and increase the time studying, and you become more efficient and your attention span gets better. But I've tried the Pomodoro method, and it definitely works very well. I can't say I use it all the time, but when I really get something done, it's my go-to. It takes, I think it it breaks a big, big task. So like a big assignment, like a big programming assignment that I do, I always break it up in 25 minute periods because like it's a lot of critical thinking. And then for studying too, whenever I'm going through a chapter, I don't try to force myself to go through a whole unit or something. I feel like it's based on my energy level. So I try breaking up into 25 minute chunks 
Mm-hmm. It's been pretty effective. Going back to the lectures, I have a theory mm-hmm. that, you know, I think a lot of people would say that college really isn't about the skills you learn. So, like, you know, we, we were studying technical degrees, but that stuff is almost immaterial. What's really key is learning how to learn quickly. Yeah. And I think there's something to be said about lectures being so boring. And that's in some ways a pro because, you know, you get stuck with these tasks. You have this huge amount of material. And let's face it, you haven't paid attention because the teacher yeah. it was difficult to understand, too quiet. Blah, blah, blah. We've all had that one teacher, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. But I think one thing I've learned in college is like I can learn a skill really quick yeah. if I have the slides in front of me and um, Google search. <laughs> I think... But like jokes aside, I think that is actually a very valuable skill. And I was working this summer. I was pretty quick at picking up new skills yeah, because exactly. I'd spent so much time during my college career Google, learning. Google searching and stuff. I think that was the one big distinguisher between the people who were going to be invited to go back to J&J where I was working and who weren't, right? And I think that's definitely true, right? Like you don't really pay attention and then you have like this exam two weeks from now. And so it's like your matter of practicing how you're going to learn and force yourself to learn the material. So I think, yeah, it's definitely valuable because... You know, five years down the line, it's not valuable that you know you know Node. It's valuable that you know how to learn the next big thing, right? Definitely. And, you know, not to say that you shouldn't pay attention to your lectures at all, but um, I think that ability to learn and pick up quickly is really critical. Um, speaking of learning, we have not learned from our past episodes. We're going way over time here, but um, I just want to wrap it up and end with that. Uh, any last thoughts from you? Uh, nope. But I'll let you guys know that um, you can find us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is Tic Tac Talk Show. So twitter.com slash Tic Tac Talk Show. You can find Rob at rrusso44. And you can find me at Candice Poon. Um, we are on a myriad of podcasting services, including iTunes, Pocket Cast, Overcast, Stitcher. Um, you can find our RSS feed and our browser in the show notes. Um, please send us email and feedback to Tic Tac Talk Show at gmail.com. And once again, we would love to thank our wonderful producer, Selena, for taking care of all the logistical sides of our podcast. Thank you, Selena. Thank you, Selena. And thank you for contributing. Yeah, we love (laughs) the feedback today. We love the stuff that you added. Um, But that's pretty much it. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye.